Well, what a privilege to be here today and to have this opportunity to be in the pulpit today and to, to share with you some thoughts from God's Word, some things He wants to say to you and me today. Uh, continue to pray for Travis and Carrie as they're on sabbatical, as they are refreshing and renewing and, and involved in mission uh, in New York City and then beyond, and just keep them on your hearts in these next days. Did you know that in... Greek language, there are two words for time. One is chronos, and that's probably the one that we are most familiar with. It has to do with a watch or a clock. It has to do with the passing of, of seconds to minutes to hours to days to years and beyond. And we're most familiar with that, uh, and we know that one very well. But the second word that the Greek language gives us is the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And it is more about uh, not the passing of time, but it is about the moments in time. It's a period of time, a turning point moment if you will, uh, where change happens. Uh, it could be the change in history. It could be the change in the decision we make that changes all of eternity for us. Kairos is the idea that you're headed in one direction. Something happens. It might be an event, a person, a tragedy, maybe an opportunity. It could be a decision. And once we are in the midst of that, it changes the course of direction for our life. When I got married to Nancy 38 years ago, that was a Kairos moment for me and for her. It was a turning point moment that literally changed our life, and we've been on the greatest adventure together these last 38 years. Uh, having your first child, that would be a Kairos moment, a, a turning point moment that literally changes everything, including uh, your sleep pattern, right? Uh, a career change or a, a job change, that could be uh, one of those turning point moments, uh, a period of time, not just passing of time. Uh, becoming a parent to your parents, that is one of those moments that literally can change our lives. How about landing a man on the moon? That was a turning point, not for uh, just American history, but for human history. And I would gather some here in this room and some of you maybe listening on TV might have had a little something to do with that very Kairos moment. 9-11, that was a big turning point, a, a Kairos moment where history literally was reshaped and changed. But the greatest Kairos moment ever in history was the coming of Jesus the Christ, his death, his resurrection. It was a turning point moment that changed absolutely everything. Eternity was changed, including today how we even keep a track of time. We see that in the B.C. to the A.D. So we'll talk a little bit more about Kairos moments in a moment. But Shelly kind of introduced today as we talk about home. When you think about home, when you think about that word, man, it's a powerful word. 
For some of you, home brings incredible memories. It brings fun times. It brings great relationships, meaningful relationships. And for others, home, when you think about it, represents painful memories and difficult times and broken relationships. When I think of home, I think of my Grandma Reno. You know there's going to be a Grandma Reno in my sermons, right? Grandma Reno, I loved going to her house, and when I think of her home, I think of food. In fact, if you sniff real hard, you'll smell some fried chicken right now. I remember the food, but I remember the stories. I remember the meaningful relationship that I got to have with her for a number of years. And I learned how much she loved the Lord, and I learned how much she loved me, and I learned how much she wanted me to know him more and more. So when I think of home, and I think as a kid, I think of grandma's house. Also, when I think of home, I think about uh, Arkansas, and I, I think about Susan's Circle in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and, and I think about playing outside. Kids today know nothing about that. Playing outside with the neighborhood kids until dark, right? It was a great time, and I think about that when I think of home. And I remember that my mom had these signals for when it was time to come home. And I'll share with you, there were three stage signals. The farther you got in the stages, the worse it was going to be on you if you didn't get home. <laughs> stage one was the ballpark whistle. You know, the one where you put fingers here and do it, or you curl your tongue. And, and you whistle, and it sounds like a freight train horn, and you know the sound when you hear it. That was time to come home, but if I didn't come home in a certain allotted time. Then she moved into stage two. I called it the light show stage. She would go to the porch area, the switch that turned the lights on the porch, and she would do this <laughs> for about a minute. And that was my signal, stage two, it was time to come home. Stage three, you really never did want to get to, but there was a stage three, and that was the full name call. So when you heard Alan Reno Greer, when you heard that, you might as well take your time getting home. Because <laughs> it wasn't going to be pretty when you got home. Yeah. Today, when I think of home, actually today, right, right now, I think of Huntsville, and I think of First Baptist Church, and I think of this is our home. This is the home that God has planted us in the middle of. You are my family, and we are so blessed to be here in Huntsville. But when I take that a step farther, when I think of home today, what I think of is my home, and I think of refuge as my word. It's the refuge that my wife has created in our home. A refuge for me, a refuge for me and her, a refuge for our family when they're home, a refuge for you when you come to our home. Uh, I'd be in trouble if I invited you all over today for lunch, so we'll do that another time. But I think of refuge, I think of home. So today as we talk about home, Talk about coming home. I want to tell you a story of the father who welcomed home his wayward son. It's a great Kairos moment. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And if you have a, 
a worship bulletin. There's a, some notes there and appreciate the worship staff putting those in for us to help guide us through today. Life works best when our relationship is right with our God, our Heavenly Father. And no matter what your situation may be today, even if you're on the outside of Christianity looking in at Christ, today might just be your kairos moment, your turning point moment. Jesus is telling the story here in Luke 15 uh, about a father and his sons. And understand that the father here is representing God and the boys here are representing you and me. Now, the younger son, the prodigal, does something wild and reckless and totally rebellious. He says, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it right now. In other words, Dad, I wish you were dead. Now, if you're a parent of teens, you might have heard that comment from time to time, right? Note this in your notes. The word prodigal means reckless. It means extravagantly wasteful, reckless, extravagantly wasteful. When we go back to the story and we pick up, we understand here that the dad does something even more extravagant, more radical than the son. He gives the younger son his part of the inheritance. Luke 15, 13 says that the prodigal liquidates uh, his part of the farm, and then the prodigal goes on a distant or to a distant land, and in that distant land, the son blows all his money. Now, it's significant to note that the father here didn't go searching for his son. Rather, he waited at home for the boy to come back, watching for him in the distance. Now, at the same time that the young son runs out of money, a famine hits. Isn't that the way it goes? When it rains, it pours, right? Well, some of this is happening because the choices of the son, he wasted the money, and some of it's because God is in control, and we see that through the text. It tells us there's also a famine. This young son, he's in a bad situation now, and in his mind, for him to go home, well, that's not going to be an option. It's not a possibility. So he gets a job feeding pigs. Now, understand, as Jesus is telling this story, as he's sharing this story, he understands his audience, uh, these tax collectors that are present in the audience, these notorious sinners, these religious folks all gathered in that audience. And he knows that they understand what he's talking about because they know that this boy is hit rock bottom because no good Jewish boy would be caught dead feeding pigs. But here's the Kairos moment in Luke 15, 17. It's the turning point. It's when we see real change begin. So when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am. I am dying of hunger, says the boy. So I will go home to my father and and I will say to my father, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and I've sinned against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So please, if you would just hire me back as one of your servants. And scripture tells us, so he returned home to his father. Now here is the part of the story to me that is so amazing. 
Luke 15, 20. And while he was still a long way off, this son, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. You might circle those two words. They're reminders of who God is. Filled with love and compassion, which is not what the son deserves, he ran to his son. The dad runs and embraces him. The dad runs and kisses him. Now remember, the father here represents God. But notice the son's confession and what happens. Dad, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And the dad in the middle of that confession, he does what he only has the authority to do. And that is to say, welcome home, my son. Not a hired hand, not a servant. Welcome home, son. Here's how he says it. Quick. Bring the, fat, or the finest robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening up. We must celebrate. Here's why. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. In other words, this is my son. Today I want to give you three characteristics of, of the father who will welcome you and me home. Characteristic number one of this father, God is patient. And what that means for you and me today is that he never, ever gives up on us. He never gives up on us. You may be thinking, well, I've walked away from him so many times in my life. God wouldn't want anything to do with me today. God has to be done with me. And the truth is this, He's not done with you. He's not done with you. He waits patiently on you and me. Jesus, the, the God-man, describes his father here in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, this way. And here's what he says. And while he, that is the son, was still a long way off, his father, that is God, saw him coming. This father was waiting expectantly, watching patiently for this son of his to come home, for this son of his to return. In other words, he never gave up. Imagine waiting patiently, watchful, hopeful that you and I will come home, being patient, not giving up. Those are kind of hard for you and I to understand. Because we aren't very patient with people, and we give up on people rather easily. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance. That word repentance is kind of a, a churchy word, but it simply means this, to turn around, to turn 180 degrees back toward home. Do you remember the, the movie Forrest Gump? Forrest, uh, at the very end of the movie, Forrest takes Forrest Jr. to the bus stop for his first day of school. And as he watches his son get on the bus, he says, I'll be here when you get back. Some of you today may be in a distant land. 
you're disconnected maybe from God, and you need to see some things about God. First of all, that God is, he's waiting patiently for you. He desires you to come home. That God hasn't given up on you. That, that God has made a way for you to return in the person of Jesus Christ. That he's ready for you to come home. He's ready to welcome you home. And he says today, I'll be here when you get back. God is patient enough to not give up on us. God is patient enough not to give on us, up on us, but second characteristic of this father who's going to welcome us home is this. God is compassionate. And what that means is, is he will show us extreme love. My favorite verse in the stories I said a moment ago is, is Luke 15, 20, filled with compassion for this son. This dad runs to him. Now, in this culture, men wore robes. So running in a robe, like running in a long dress, that would be difficult. At least that's what I'm told. I've never done that. But. And to pull up his robe and to reveal his bare legs, that would have been unheard of in his culture. It would have been frowned upon by his peers. But understand, this dad, he doesn't care. So why did the father run? Because he was compassionate enough to show extreme love to his son. He loves him regardless of the past, regardless of what others may say. Can I tell you really who the prodigal is in this story? I believe God is the one here who is reckless and extravagant with his love. Not wasteful, but reckless and extravagant. He truly is a prodigal God. And he's a prodigal God on the level of extreme love he shows. Look at Luke 15, 20. The father threw his arms around the son and he kissed him. Uh, did you notice that there's not a lecture? He didn't say anything about the boy's past. At least we don't see it recorded in Scripture. And in, in the absence of words, this dad... He says volumes with his actions. Bob Hayden was a, a mentor of mine. Uh, he was a friend of mine. He was, uh, he was a father figure to me. He was a man truly uh, after God's own heart. He came into my life when I was about 35 uh, years of age. He was in his 70s and and he shared with me his story. He came to Christ later in life. He was 35 years old when he came to Christ. And he, he did life with those around him in, a, in incredible ways. And with me, I was certainly blessed to have time with him. I had about 10 years of time with Bob. And in the final days of his life, a stroke had stolen his speech. A few days before he passed away, I, I went to his home uh, to visit with him and Bob was not able to speak um, because of the stroke. His, his body would not move because of the stroke. And so when I walked into that room, his eyes began to be filled with tears. His face in that moment reflected everything that he wanted to say to me. Now, Bob didn't call me Alan. He called me son. 
But here's what I could hear him saying. Alan, son, if I could jump out of this old, decaying, decrepit body, I would hug you and I would tell you how much I love you. There were no words, just his face, his countenance, his tears, communicating to me extreme love. Jeremiah 31.3, Shelley read a moment ago during their kids' time, reminds us that long ago uh, the Lord said to Israel, who, by the way, in these verses is a prodigal nation, He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. God's love is extreme, extravagant. It's reckless. And you never have to wonder if he loves you. You never have to wonder if he wants you. The cross, it's evidence. It's evidence enough of God's extreme love for us. He's ready to welcome you and me home. God is compassionate. He's compassionate enough to show us extreme love. God is patient. He's patient enough to not give up on us. And the third characteristic of this Father, this God who is going to welcome us home, is that God is forgiving. In other words, He accepts you and me just as we are. Kind of reminds me of an old hymn, right? Just as I am. It's a reminder that God is a God who accepts us as we are, and he offers to you and me forgiveness. And you might say, well, Alan, I like this God idea that you're sharing with me today. Uh, I I like it. Uh, But before I come to God, I got to get my life all cleaned up. Well, you see, that was the attitude that the son has here. Luke 15, 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. You may be thinking, well, Alan, I'm not worthy of God's patience, his extreme love, his forgiveness, and you're right, we're not. But God showers us with patience to change, with an extreme love to experience radical forgiveness that sets you and me on brand new path. A kairos, turning point, moment. But Alan, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've lived. You don't know about my past. I'm not sure God can forgive me. He could forgive anyone else, but but surely not me. And I would say to you, first of all, God's not surprised with your past. He knows. He knows. And number two, you don't know my dad. You don't know my father. He is forgiving. God is a forgiving father. And he forgives us enough to accept us right where we are, just as we are. And he is loving enough, thank God, not to leave us there. He meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. There's an old saying that says this, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. In Jesus' story, the son, he comes home, and then the father cleans him up 
Let's get him a robe, some sandals, a ring, throw a, throw a party because that which is lost now is found. God not only forgives the son, but this is important. He restores the son. Daniel 9.9 9 says this, The Lord our God is merciful and he's forgiving. And what that means for you and me is that's his nature. That's who he is. That never changes. Even though, the verse goes on to say, even though we have rebelled against him, that's our nature. God's nature is merciful and forgiving. Our nature is rebelling. And God says, come home. All of us have rebelled against God, yet he doesn't give us what we deserve. He offers to you and me his forgiveness. God is forgiving enough to accept us just as we are and loves us enough not to leave us that way. So, what do we do with that? How do we come home? Well, why don't we just follow the steps of the prodigal son? Here they are. Step one, come to your senses. Come to your senses. Luke 15, 17 says it this way. And when he came to his senses, that is kind of the aha moment, the wake-up call moment, the kairos, turning point moment. So, come to your senses. Step number two, come clean. Luke 15, verse 18 says, And I will go home to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Folks, what that means is coming clean. It's a picture of that in Scripture. It's, it's where we expose to God our sin, where we're honest with God. We don't try to hide our sin, and we ask for forgiveness that we know that he freely is going to give to us. Step number three, come to your senses, come clean, come home. Luke 15, 18, I will set out and I will go back to my father. Remember, God's waiting for everyone to come to repentance. What that means is he's waiting for us to turn around and come home. Let me ask you, what does coming home mean for you today? What would that mean for you today? Does it mean that maybe you've never entered into a relationship with God? In other words, you know a lot about him. Maybe you've been in church before. Maybe you've been in church a lot, but you don't really know him. You've never really experienced him. You've never come home. You've never let him throw his arms around you and say to you, welcome home. You've never experienced his compassion or his forgiveness or his acceptance or his extreme love. Maybe that's what coming home may mean for you today. Or does coming home mean for you today that you already know Christ? You have a relationship with him, but you are somewhat disconnected from him. And you need to, to renew that relationship, for that relationship, that fellowship to be restored. Come to your senses, come clean, come home. The last one is this, come and celebrate. Luke 15, 22 says this, the father saying to his servants, let's have a feast and let's celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to have a party. When I'm connected to God, when I belong to him, when you're connected to God and you belong to him, when our relationships are right with the Father, it gives birth to celebration, and it is pure joy guaranteed. So, you can't go back and change your past, but you can today, my friend, with Christ, make a brand new end. Today, Today could be a kairos moment for you, a, a turning point moment for you. It could be the day that changes everything about your life. Today could be the day that all of your life has been pointing toward. Today could be the day that you will look back on and you will say, this day, today, June 19th, this day, was the day that everything changed. It was the day I made a decision and put faith in the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. It was the turning point moment. It was the Kairos moment. Come to your senses. Come clean. Come home. Come celebrate. This whole week preparing this message has reminded me this song that's been playing through my head over and over and over again. And I got to get it out there so you have it playing in your head over and over and over again. And choir, I'm counting on you. This is your time. Step in at any point when you have it. Let's go. You ready? Amen? All right. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. You can join us. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. of God the Father say welcome home would you pray with me Father today as you have spoken so clearly through your word your story your words Father as you have ministered into our lives as you have said to us in so many different ways who you are I pray for the person today that is at the point of a turning point, a kairos moment, a moment in which they would turn their life to you. Or maybe it is for some, those that know you already, a time in which they come home because they're disconnected to you. God, would you welcome them home? May you be true as you always are to your promises. And we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.
As we come to the time of invitation, Mark's going to come and lead us in verse 640, or in, in hymn of commitment 642. And as we're singing, there will be ministers here at the front to receive you. Maybe today is a, a day of decision for you, a decision of putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It may be a decision about coming back home. It may be a decision about putting your life here at First Baptist Church. We would love to share with you. So as we stand together, uh, ministers here at the front are here to receive you as we sing together.